Welcome to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. I'm joined tonight by Mike and Matt, and we are going to preview the Eagles Sunday afternoon game, one o'clock versus the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we wanted to format this around the idea of things that we think are encouraging factors going into this game. And then we will touch on some things we think may be discouraging factors going into this game. Um, the first that we wanted to really touch on that, that all of us, I think uh, agreed about at the end of the last podcast was how much the absence of Lane Johnson hurt the Eagles offensive line. And I think also Carson Wentz's confidence. So uh, I'm going to throw it to Matt. Um, do you still have that stat in front of you, Matt, to repeat about Lane and his presence in games and what, what the Eagles record is when he's there versus when he's not? Chris, give me a second to pull that up. Mike, your thoughts on Lane. Yeah, well, it certainly helps to have one of the best pro tackles in all of football come back into the lineup. I saw in the news, Lane um, said he suffered from an ankle sprain all of last season. And I think Lane finished up ranking as the number uh, two overall uh, right tackle in all of football. I mean, if that's him with an injury um, being that elite, uh, he's an impactful player. He will bring some um, continuity and stability to the offensive line so coming out of a game where we really look terrible on the right side of our line this is this is couldn't come at a better time yeah I think he's just a stabilizer I think he'll bring in some confidence like I mentioned earlier both uh, to the other linemen around him as well as Wentz and I think it really opens up a lot in the run game uh, as well and we'll touch a little bit on the run game tonight um, but just this idea of Lane being there, giving you some more in the way of options. Matt, do you have those numbers? Uh, not quite. Having some internet issues here, Chris. But uh, just on the ankle, um, that's a lot of weight on top of that ankle. And you, you twist that, uh, that's going to be tender. It's going to be tender for a long time. Uh, the stats that we uh, looked at, Chris, uh, I mean, it's night and day when Lane is in the lineup uh, and is on the field. Yeah, Matt, well, yeah. bump in there. When uh, Lane under Doug Peterson in the lineup, 36 and 17. Uh, out of the lineup, 6 and 12. Yeah. Uh, once again, night, night and day. The, the guy's a playmaker on the offensive line. He's also a leader, you know, especially for these young guys. I think he's a voice out there, uh, along with Kelsey, along with Peters, that uh, – can get the offense moving you know Carson Wentz is still young uh and I think having those veterans on the offensive line especially with an all pro like Lane Johnson is going to make a world of difference Chris no doubt and I think you know his uh his pedigree speaks for itself I think he's had a little bit of a rocky uh career in certain ways and, and mostly uh things off the field but um Lane is absolutely a stabilizing force for this team and, and I believe for Carson Wentz the question for me comes in, um, you know, is he going to be, and he admitted today to the media, he will not be 100%. Is he going to be well enough to hold up uh, against some of that pass rush and really provide Carson some of the time that he needs? And in addition, 
how much is Lane going to have to be helping whoever is playing to his left at the right guard position? And given what we saw last week from Nate Herbig, just to divert for a little, a little uh, kind of side conversation here, I'm not sure if you put Nate Herbig in there, if you put Jack Driscoll in there, who was kind of more of a drafted guard as opposed to tackle where he filled in last week. What are your, what are your guys' thoughts on that? And what, what are your feelings on how much Lane will have to help? Let's start with Mike. Well, I, I think he's going to come and he's going to help immediately. I, Lane's no stranger to playing through injury. And um, like, like we were saying, he, he played all of last season with an ankle injury and battled through that and was one of the best tackles in football. So he's going to continue to do that. Now, alternatively, I think, I think the way that the Eagles have been talking, um, Herbig is still getting the start at right guard. Uh, they brought in a couple guys this week to guard. It seems like it's going to take them a little time to get up to speed before they'll see any game time. Um, and from what the Eagles are saying, too, Jack Driscoll, his playing time really revolves around Lane Johnson's health. If Lane is not healthy to go, then Jack is the number two at the right tackle position. Um, but, yeah, now what do you think? Yeah, Chris, I think that's a great question. I think we roll at – role with Herbig at right guard. I think one of the most important things on the offensive line is continuity. And that's where he played last week. I think the more games he gets under his belt at right uh, guard is, is going to help and having Lane Johnson back there with him, uh, coaching him up. Uh, I, I think we see a better performance out of him uh, this week. Uh, also, I have Nate, uh, Matt Pryor backing him up. Um, I, I have little faith in Matt Pryor as the backup. Uh, I, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a starter. And um, I feel much comfortable since Herbig got the start last week to keep him there. And I think we see a better performance out of that, out of uh, Herbig with having Lane Johnson in his ear. Chris? Well, and Matt Pryor, who's been with the team for more years as a drafted player uh, from TCU, not unlike Big V, came in um, as, a, as a right guard potential, as a right tackle potential, was you know playing that way in scrimmages and in camp, and all of a sudden seemed to fall out of favor. Uh, to, to peel back to my question, I, I do think that it's best to start Nate Herbig there just to have some of that continuity that it seems like the offensive line has been lacking. The other thing is I think Jack Driscoll, to bring up Big V, might be the new Big V. He really stood up uh, both Kerrigan. He put Kerrigan on his ass one time um, and then stopped Chase Young standing up another time when the Eagles were backed up into the red zone. So I definitely think there's room for improvement there. He is still a rookie, uh, but I, I, I think – Driscoll might have that potential to fill in at right or left tackle. And, and if Herbig is going to settle into that right guard position, knowing that we have Brandon Brooks coming back to us next year, hopefully, um, that allow Herbig to be there and for Lane and him to kind of grow as, as a tandem on that right side of the line, where really Miles Sanders, who is also slated to come in uh, this week off of injury, has a, a great deal of success running to the right. So what is the difference uh, to you both? And I know we touched on this a little bit on Tuesday, but um, in particular, I remember Mike made a point about Corey Clement's pass blocking and how um, that influenced a, a Carson Wentz sack and how if Sanders is in there, maybe the result is different. But what are your thoughts on what Sanders can offer from blocking to catching the ball, you know, all of his skill set, Matt? Chris, I, I just think he's uh, the better all-around running back. And, I mean, that's why he's running back number one. Uh, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. Um, 
Yeah. It's had some background noise there, fellas. Apologize. Um, yeah, I I think it, he's just uh, a better package. You know, we haven't seen much of him because he came from uh, Penn State behind Saquon Barkley. But what he did his senior year into his rookie year, I mean, you can't deny his performance, both as a, a um, a pass blocker, uh, uh, catching the ball, and running the ball. Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Miles is the number one guy for a reason. Now, you know, with, with, with that said, uh, some of the play from last week, I think, can be summed up as, you know, putting a little bit of onus on the emphasis that this game one, game one, was treated like a preseason game. And I'm feeling a lot better today uh, than I was earlier this week, especially when you go back and look at um, a lot of the sacks and stuff that happened on offense. Most of the stuff that happened was communication breakdown or missed assignment um, and, and Carson holding the ball a little bit too long, but all stuff that can be fixed and improved upon. And now you have miles coming back and um, I think he has the reps with that unit. So he's going to be able to pick up that, extra guy that the defense is sending in order to give Carson more time, more protection, let the play develop and, and absolutely the threat that he has to contribute in other ways on the offense, Matt. And to piggyback off that, Mike, going back to the guy that we just talked about, Lane Johnson, how does that affect the blitz? You know, I, I think we miss a lot of blitzes last week uh, because we were going against a, a much better uh, defensive uh, front and middle linebackers. I, I think having Lane Johnson in the mix, maybe he picks up a, uh, a blitz or there, there's more of a shift. There's more chemistry there that we're not asking Miles Sanders to block Aaron Donald coming through the line. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think when we're talking about Miles Sanders, this is an offensive uh, rookie of the year candidate. Um, a guy who really proved himself in, in many facets of the game last year and hopefully is coming back to us at uh, as much full strength as, as he can possibly be. I think he's another player who makes Wentz confident. Uh, I think Sanders just is a weapon, like Westbrook was a weapon for so many years, <laughs> and they have a similar skill set. I think uh, the main thing that we'll find with Sanders being in the game, hopefully, is some kind of a rhythm. Um, when I think about the rhythm of the last game, there was this sort of burst in the very beginning and all of it being driven by uh, deep passing downfield. I mentioned before the podcast tonight, it felt like Doug Peterson was kind of playing NFL blitz and it was successful and then it wasn't, but he was still running the same plays. And I think just having Sanders as a tool in your toolbox will really um, change the dynamic of, of the game plan. And I think a lot of it will be uh, planned around him. That having been said, uh, Andrew, who couldn't be with us tonight, did make mention when he and I were texting that, you know, maybe Sanders is on a pitch count this week. Maybe he's on sort of limited play to um, hopefully save him for the entirety of the season, uh, having already missed the first game. But, you know, I think we've talked about Miles enough. Everybody knows what he's capable of. Uh, and I think him being in the lineup will absolutely help the running game. I'll also go as far as to say, I think you might see Corey Clement and Boston Scott both have better games just as compliments to having Sanders in the lineup. So moving on to another encouraging factor, Doug Peterson uh, is so far in his tenure as the Eagles head coach undefeated when playing Sean McVay uh, in the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, 
do you put any stock into this? That's my main question with this. I, I do think that Doug has, has had exceptional games uh, the couple of times that the Eagles have actually had to travel out to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Um, I do think that his play call has been really good, including the game where Carson Wentz was injured. Nick Foles comes in that sort of transition and Doug was able to navigate that. But does that have any significance for you, Mike? So just going off gut, I'm going to, I don't, I don't think that does hold any water. Um, it's only a few games that these guys have faced off against each other. They're both, um, relatively new coaches in the NFL. They're both really good coaches. Um, and you don't want to get, you don't want to get thinking that Doug has the secret formula to beating these guys. It's, they got to go out there. They got to perform. They have something to prove. Doug needs to be better than what he was. Um, I think, I think it's situational every time we play. Matt. Mike, we're going to have to respectively disagree. I, I, I think it does. Um, I think there is something there, Chris. I, I think, you know, a, a couple of things. Sean McVay is known as a football genius. Uh, the guy's only 34, though. Doug Peterson is 52 and has played the game of football. I, I, he's been around it longer. Uh, he's seen a lot more things. Yes, uh, Sean has had a stellar start to his football coaching career, but Let's not forget the Rams were nine and seven last year. That was a down year. They missed the playoffs. So I just, I do think that it holds some gravitas, Chris, and I think it will play a role on Sunday. Chris? Yeah, and I, I, I have to agree with Matt. I think it does play some kind of a role. I mean, different situations, different offenses. Obviously, the Rams had Gurley uh, in these other matchups. Um, <clears throat> the Eagles were at least playing some of the games with – Nick Foles. And when the Eagles went out there in two, uh, 2018, things were looking pretty, pretty rough. Uh, Carson Wentz was out for the season. Uh, the Eagles, I believe, were coming off of a losing streak. Nick Foles comes in. They're traveling to uh, the West Coast to play the Rams, who were Super Bowl bound. Um, and they were able to win that game against all odds. So I do think that there's an element of that. Second, uh, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they beat the New England Patriots. When the Rams were in the Super Bowl, they were playing the New England Patriots. So I think it's worth saying that Doug was able to beat Belichick in the biggest possible game. Sean McVay put up three points. Mike had a point. Yeah, I, I just wanted to point out that maybe a truer, fairer comparison um, to, to do a match off against uh, McVay would be Jim Schwartz. Cause that, you know, he's really the one strategizing and scheming against um, his looks. McVay being an offensive coordinator and a head coach um, you know, he's, he's the, the mastermind, the genius behind what the Rams are doing on offense, not necessarily what they're doing on defense. Um, and that's maybe, you know, nitpicking a little bit, but, uh, and maybe give some props to Jim Schwartz on this. And, uh, yeah, maybe he, maybe he does have McVay's number in terms of what he's doing. Chris? Yeah, so just real quick, and I'm going to send it right to Matt. We had talked about this just before the podcast, the performance of the defense in those two most recent games against the Rams. Now, Matt, do you have those numbers up? Okay, let's, let's go to Matt, because I know there have been some picks, some uh, sacks, all that kind of stuff that they've rattled Goff before. Yeah, so uh, let's start here in 2017. Uh, Eagles 43 Rams 35. Uh, Eagles were 11 and 2 that year. I think we all know what happened. Uh, and 
Rams were nine and four. Um, and Eagles were on the road. Now, Chris, you brought it up earlier. They were in a um, different stadium as their stadium was being built. And it turned out to be kind of a home game for the Eagles because the Eagles came covered well. Um, so I'm not sure if there's any uh, particular stat you're looking from that game. Uh, we have Corey Smith going off with six receptions, 100 yards. Uh, and uh, Trey Burton, <laughs> five receptions, 71 yards. So two names uh, no longer with the Eagles. Uh, uh, Eagles defense versus Goff. That's really the, the information I was – because I know he's been picked off by, the, I think, Avante Maddox, actually, and hopefully we can see some of that this Sunday. But I remember when Chris Long was an Eagle, he got after him. Uh, both games, I just remember them, them being able to rattle Goff. So I'm not sure if you have any – any defensive numbers there. If not, you know, like I said, those games both stick out to me as, as good offensive performances, but really strong defensive performances too. And I think when the Eagles are playing well defensively, usually they're putting up those kind of numbers. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, great point. We had two touchdowns for the defense in that 43 to 35 win. Uh, so the defense did come up big there. I see uh, two sacks, four and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, we did get after golf that game. And just like uh, New England did in the Super Bowl, you get after golf, uh, he gets spooked. Well, and that's really what I'm hoping to see uh, this Sunday. And, and that is why that is an encouraging fact to me, uh, the history between Peterson and McVay. Let's move on to the fact that the Eagles will be playing their first home game this year. But uh, in the COVID atmosphere that uh, has been 2020, there will be no fans in the stands in Philadelphia. So the typical home field advantage is – not quite there. However, the Eagles will be in familiar territory. I think this has the makings of, <clears throat> excuse me, both an encouraging factor and a discouraging factor. What are your thoughts on this in light of the, the current climate, Matt? Oh, I had to take myself off mute there, Chris. Um, yeah, I, you know, they, they are traveling. I, I think that's good. Um, but, and they are pumping in the sound. I just don't know how much this artificial sound is playing a, a, uh, a role. Uh, I didn't see any, any factors in any of the first week games. I watched a, a bunch of uh, different first week games and didn't really seem to affect the players. You know, one of the most interesting things was the commentating crew was able to pick up on some of the things being said on the field. Uh, which makes it more exciting for a fan, but I don't think that really affects the players as much. I think the biggest thing is the uh, jet lag going from West Coast to East Coast. Um, you know, I, I wish, it, I think we all wish we were at the game uh, so that we could be that 12th man on the field, but uh, I, I'm interested to see how much of a factor it plays. Um, you know, the interesting thing should be, Wind in the pass has affected the field. Now they closed off the right section of the field uh, a few years ago, and that did change uh, the field goal trajectory. But I don't know, maybe not having fans and having more of an open arena, we should see what that does to field goals. Mike? Yep, I'm going to agree. The big advantage is just uh, not having to travel like the Rams are doing this week across the country. Uh, more comfortable. But a couple other things to maybe bring up when talking about a home game. Are people still going to tailgate? Because uh, that kind of sounds like fun. 
I guess the parking lots will be uh, shut down. I see like a, I'm getting some head nods here. So it looks like no tailgating is going to be available to us. Now, where do you draw the line though for the home field? And I don't know if I picked this up on any of the other games from week one. Are cheerleaders included? Are they still? I just, I always think back to um, the replacements when, uh, when they distract the other team with the cheerleaders. That's <laughs> um, a great reference. I don't know if not having fans in the stands would, would, would make that more obvious and, and more realistic of a thing to actually come to fruition, but okay, it doesn't seem like... For objective yeah. women by any means, but certainly in the context of that movie, that strategy worked. <laughs> it was, um, it was... Yeah, the city, in addition to the um, banning of fans from uh, baseball or football games, tailgating was a part of that as far as I, I remember from the kind of the city mandate. But I think we can agree from what you've both said that the travel is a big factor. I'll just throw in on top of that, that the Rams played a really close game and were able to win on the road themselves uh, against Dallas this past Sunday night on Sunday night football. Um, so they'll have played a late game. Uh, they'll be traveling fully across the country um, and they will be playing in an empty stadium, but we'll have to hope that those couple of factors there make a difference. I thought it was interesting what Matt said too about the stadium changes. I didn't even realize that. Go ahead, Matt. Just uh, one last quick point, Chris. Um, you know, I, I really hope the Eagles stick to the normal ritual though. Coming out um, uh, under the, the blow up Eagle, smoke flying in the air. I want to fly over after the national anthem. I think that's going to keep the players in the mindset that they need to be that, hey, this is our hometown. This is our home game. This is our field. Uh, we need to bring it today. Yeah, we need to feel that as fans for sure. I think we need to see some swagger like we saw in those first, you know, 29 minutes of that game this past Sunday. There was there was clear momentum going. And if they can have that sort of atmosphere, hopefully they can get that same momentum going, but finish the game with that momentum. Let's talk about just one more thing, speaking of momentum, that uh, was kind of halted for the Eagles on Sunday. And in my Eagles fandom, uh, the Eagles coming off of a loss are usually a dangerous team, even in those really rough years, um, that a lot of times it's, um, it's at least once a season where we're saying, you know, how could they have possibly lost that game? And I think normally those games are, as I mentioned, maybe on Tuesday's podcast, uh, sandwiched in the middle of the season or, or maybe toward the end and they're easier to forgive. But the fact that it was the first game of the year, uh, Matt's word was gut punch on Tuesday. And I think that that really delivered that. But is there anything in that for you that the Eagles are coming off of what many consider an embarrassing loss um, and they'll be looking to make a difference with a couple of key pieces being in the lineup? We mentioned Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders, but in addition, it looks as though uh, Derek Barnett will also play on the defensive line. Does that make a difference for either of you, them coming off of a loss? Yeah, definitely. Um, listen, Peterson and Wentz, Faced some very tough questions in the post game, and they played it off with generic answers. But that's got to get to a player, uh, and we're not seeing that as fans, but they're seeing that in the locker room. And so I think we'll see a different mentality now coming out of both of them who struggled, especially in the second half. There, uh, punch in the face and time to answer, especially uh, with a team that they have beaten over the past few years. Uh, they're not taking this lightly by no means, but uh, they need to answer. They know they need to answer for the city. And I think we see that in both uh, the play calling and Carson Wentz's play on the field. Mike? 
Absolutely. Definitely a motivator. It's only human nature to uh, want to silence your critics and, <clears throat> and all that jazz. But another interesting point, and it's really the offense that has something to prove. The defense has room to improve, but I, I think the defense definitely, just, just in the, this past week, you can hear like we've won, they, they won some of their battles, most of their battles. They, they were happy with the, the showing they made. Um, so it, it really is, it, it's a team sport, so it's the whole team, but it, it's really up to Doug Carson, the O-line, and, and that, that side of the ball to produce this week, and, which I think them coming off a loss will do. I agree with you, Mike, but as you said, it's kind of contingent on what Doug does. And let's move on to some discouraging factors. Doug uh, is not a discouraging factor in and of himself, but his uh, willingness, unwillingness to change, I should say, in the last game uh, against the Washington football team uh, was really discouraging with a, a collapsing offensive line with Carson Wentz running for his life. He didn't seem to change his game plan, uh, which again, you know, I likened to NFL Blitz earlier because that's really what it felt like. Um, it seemed like he was underutilizing his playbook, and and maybe that was a result of some of the absences on offense, Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders. But um, do you see Doug kind of having a bounce back this week? Maybe that's the right way to say it. Will Doug adapt this week? Will we see like there you go, Doug? Will we have those moments uh, this this upcoming Sunday, Matt? Chris, uh, great point there, underutilizing the playbook. And I think that's a result of no preseason games, as we talked about on the last podcast a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he hasn't seen these plays uh, live in action, and maybe he was a little tentative. Um, and I think that bit him in the ass. And I think because of that, he will be more tempted to, you know, take a riskier play or not, not a riskier play, but maybe take a play that he hasn't seen uh, with this current roster uh, that he's run in the past. And I think that's what we need out of him is open up the playbook, get more people involved, keep more people involved, uh, move the ball around, protect Carson. I think those are the goals of the game. Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just bring up uh, Dave Spadaro had a cool article this week that said, uh, don't look, but the Eagles are starting a youth movement. And um, that really caught one. I thought that was a great um, title for an article, but it, it's true. Uh, both Hightower and Rager got significant playing time in last week's game. Both of them contributed to uh, Carson interceptions. At least balls were targeted their way. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of newness on this offensive side of the ball and a lot of uh, youth to reuse that word. And it's going to be a thing that's constantly developing. But when you think about it, what the Eagles really went out to do in the off season, add speed and explosiveness um, to be able to stretch the field. We're dealing with a much different beast on offense than we were last year. And if, if Doug can find a way to balance it and bring it together it could be it could be great. We could have a game where all of a sudden we blow the top off and um, we're like, holy, holy shit. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I think that's just as likely as, as anything else. And something just occurred to me while you were talking, Mike, that, you know, Doug inherited a lot of Chip's roster. Um, then he had, you know, I think three of the, the oldest, if not the oldest uh, teams in the league. Now he's got this infusion of, of youth and, and talent uh, in the young players. And, and I think 
maybe his biggest adaptation is being able to, to use that and work with that and identify the strengths of those players. Um, and he'll need to uh, on offense. But let's talk about um, another discouraging factor because when he's game planning, he's going to have to take into account Jalen Ramsey. And I'm just going to kind of talk about Jalen Ramsey on, on a little bit of a, I guess a soapbox here that I really wish the Eagles would have made a play for him um, because I, I think I'm really, I'm glad and, uh, and really enjoyed watching Darius Slay play this past Sunday, really enjoyed his uh, mic'd up, which is on the Eagles website. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, Matt and Mike, I highly recommend it, but I really wanted Jalen Ramsey when he was here, Mike and I had the opportunity uh, to go over to London to see the Eagles play the Jaguars when Ramsey was still in Jacksonville. And he did pick Wentz off. He had a really good game, uh, was very active the entire time, and just stands out as a player. Um, he was extremely aggressive on Sunday night in attacking Amari Cooper after he caught a pass, uh, absolutely rocked him to the turf. Uh, and the ball came loose, and Ramsey was so hyped up that he didn't even realize the ball came loose. Luckily, his team dove on it, uh, but really made an exceptional play there. And I don't think um, – Mike or Matt would disagree when I say, I think Ramsey, maybe Stefan Gilmore, you're talking about top corners in the league. Um, the other factor is Aaron Donald, possibly uh, the best defensive player in the league period, or at least the most talked about right now. Uh, there is a gift floating around the internet of him literally tossing Dallas Cowboys offensive linemen two at a time. Um, so he is going to be a factor in this game. And for both of those players, uh, there will be a player on the other side of the on the other side of the ball. Excuse me. And so for this little segment we're going to do here, I'm going to throw it over to Matchup Mike, who's going to talk about how the Eagles are going to manage. Let's start with Jalen Ramsey. Sure. Um, yeah. So let's let's showcase some of the some of the matchups to look at going into Week Two against the Rams for the Birds. We got, we had a chance at this guy last year, Jalen Ramsey. He was, um, he was on the trading block for a little while, and a lot of us were saying, you know, pick him up. He's a, he's a, one, he's a uh, generational talent. Um, now, we do have a nice counterpart to Jalen Ramsey that we acquired in Darius Slay. Um, but Eagles wide receivers are going to be facing one of the best cornerbacks in the league, uh, what some would refer to, or what most would refer to as a shutdown corner. Um, so I guess, I guess the feelings are, how do you, if you're the birds, how do you handle um, Jalen Ramsey? Who do you think will attract the most coverage by him? And is there a scheme to maybe mix it up on him so he's not sticking to the same guy? Um, Matt, you want to start with you? Yeah, Mike, I'm worried. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm worried because with Alshon out, it looks like we have Rager as our number one. Um, as we talked about earlier uh, before the podcast, Deshaun Jackson only played 54% of the plays last week. Uh, Jalen Ramsey played 100% of the plays last week. So if he's going up against our number one and our number one is a rookie, uh, we could have a long day, fellas, uh, especially with Aaron Donald on the line, Blitz and Carson. So, you know, you look at uh, – Maybe matching up against Greg Ward, I don't see that. Uh, and then you have Jonathan Hightower, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Um, we, we may not hear Rager's number called this week if uh, that's the matchup there. And it's got to be intimidating for a rookie in uh, Rager and Hightower to see uh, that guy on the other side of the ball. So definitely something to keep an eye out for. 
uh, definitely something to uh, keep in mind if uh, we're not hearing their numbers called. Uh, he is a shutdown corner. Chris? Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I, I did watch a presser with Jalen Rager yesterday and him talking about not only his recovery from this uh, shoulder injury that he, he suffered in one of the scrimmages and was able to make it back so quickly from, but one of the other questions that they really asked him about, aside from uh, his deep ball catch, his 55-yard catch in the game against Washington, was the possibility that he would line up, the likelihood that he would line up against Jalen Ramsey. And he went as far as to say, Jalen Ramsey is a great corner, but I'm not scared of anyone. I'm going to go out there and play my hardest, and I'm not going to waver from my confidence ever. Um, I really believe the Eagles are going to send Jalen Rager against Jalen Ramsey and see what happens. Um, and I'm all for it. I think it's the best possible thing for Jalen Rager. I think if he's able to get open against a player like Ramsey, get in his head, that's going to affect the entire defense. Um, I think if they get it to a point, the Eagles are going to be able to use Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson to beat up on Ramsey um, and lower his confidence, especially if they can do it deep, but I think if Doug is able to adapt and use one of those slants, one of those draws where he gives Rager the chance to make a play in the open field, I think you might see some real fireworks. Like I said on Tuesday's podcast, when I watched TCU play, when Rager was there, he was more known for that kind of thing, taking a slant to the house, taking a short pass and just running past everybody. And you could see the acceleration in this past Sunday's game. Matt. Chris, I love the confidence. I love the quote from Rager, and uh, I agree with you. If, if we get to him early um, and get into his head, yeah, there is a possibility. I don't know if there's any getting into this guy's head, though. 25 years old, three-time uh, pro bowler, uh, first-team all-pro, and he ran a 4-4 a in uh, the combine, and he's still got that speed. Does Deshaun still have that speed? I don't know if he's only playing 54% of the snaps. Um, I, I do agree. we got to rely on Rager here, and I want the best from him. Mike? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Matt um, and Chris. I, it's hard to say that we could get inside his head. He's a, he is a um, proven shutdown corner. Um, the one thing I do really like that, that um, it's a great opportunity for Jalen Rager is that these guys size-wise are pretty evenly matched. Um, Jalen Rager, 5'11", 196. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, 6'1", 194. Uh, so Rager has a slight edge in terms of pounds. Um, and we know that Rager is a tough guy. This was one of the strong things we liked about him when, when, um, when he was drafted. And Ramsey is the type of like press corner who'll get very physical. Um, and maybe this is a great way for Rager to just like earn his stripes and out. I, I don't know if he can out physical Jalen Ramsey, but he has the best shot probably of the Eagles receivers to be able to do that. Um, Chris, did you have a point you wanted to add? Yeah, I just, I think Jalen Rigger has the potential to make that kind of impact on the game. And if he doesn't, um, then we'll see him kind of humbled by one of the best corners in the game. But I truly believe the Eagles will try to highlight that matchup. Um, and I think it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you, if you, uh, have a great constitution and nothing gets in your head. If you're running up and down the field all day with Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson, you're going to be tired. And if they can tire him out, you know, that's probably the best they can hope for. I agree. The guy's an absolutely elite corner. Like I said, I wish the Eagles uh, would have taken him. Mike, let's, let's hear another matchup you're, you're focused on. Yeah. So um, this week we've got probably the top ranked um, defensive tackle coming into town, facing up against us coming after last week's, 
terrible performance by the offensive line. This presents a lot of problems, having Aaron Donald come into town. Um, he, 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 he makes so many problems for an offensive line just in terms of matchups with his speed and size and all the different ways he can um, go at you in terms of technique. Um, he can hit you so many different ways. He'll be a guy that keeps you guessing. So I guess how do, if you're the Eagles, how are you – or, or Eagles player, how are you approaching handling Aaron Donald this week? Chris, let's start it off with you. Well, I'm, I'm going to hope a couple of things. First, Aaron Donald is on a line uh, that does rotate. The Rams, I believe, play a 3-4 defense. So um, Michael Brockers is the other player that, that really needs the Eagles' attention. And I think if Lane Johnson is in the offensive line, it's going to stabilize things. The hope is that Jason Kelsey is able to hold up and have a good game. Then that Nate Herbig and that tandem on that side is able to hold up. That's where there is the least amount of experience, at least. Luckily, Herbig got some time last week. But my hope would be that they're going to give as much support to those players as possible. And my caution to the Eagles would be don't leave that side where Lane is. Don't give him, you know, don't give Herbig all the help with Lane and then leave that side unattended for, for Wentz to be killed. Um, I think if Wentz is able to get into a rhythm early, it's because the offense is, offensive line is containing Aaron Donald. And I think that's the best that we can hope for. Uh, the guy is clearly on a tear and, and on a mission to, to be, you know, the defensive player of the year. Matt? Chris, I, I honestly don't know if there is such a thing as containing Aaron Donald. It's delaying Aaron Donald is is what uh, these teams uh, have to do. And it, you know, it, it's odd. He he's such an odd player. He's he's not even six one. He's not your traditional uh, defensive lineman build. And yet, this guy just has the quickest first step in the game. Is so strong, so powerful off the ball that he can just push these big guys around. I'll tell you who we need a big game from is uh, Jeff Stoutland, uh, the offensive line coach. He needs to be scheming with Doug Peterson to prepare for him. And by scheming, that's double teams that uh, Donald doesn't see coming, that maybe keeping in Dallas Goddard, keeping in Ertz on the side. Yes, that's one less receiver downfield. But you need to have four hands on this guy at all time. He's just that powerful. He's just that destructive. So I hope that uh, Stoutland is working with uh, Peterson. I, I sure, I'm sure they are, but it's, uh, it's going to be a constant double team, and it's keeping Donald guessing where that double team is coming from. Chris? Yeah, and I have a point coming in from Andrew from our text earlier, and he just mentioned that in, in order to counter Aaron Donald, uh, they're going to need to do what we were talking about earlier with Doug uh, in adapting and calling some quick passes, uh, some draws, some slants, giving him the opportunity to get the ball out of his hands early and kind of neutralize uh, Donald's rush. I think what you said, Matt, has a lot of credence. I think the best you, you can hope for uh, is to slowly lose <laughs> to Aaron Donald um, and, and hope that the ball is out by then. And that was a big problem in the last game. I'm just as afraid of Aaron Donald as I am Carson Wentz's, you know, willingness to get the ball out. And I think you know, his willingness combined with Doug's play call can really help to diffuse that because the Eagles have been successful. Aaron Donald has just four tackles at one sack uh, in the last two meetings between the Eagles and the Rams. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my thoughts on, on how to neutralize, but it's going to take 
a lot of effort. It's not just the O-line. It's also the play calling. Okay. I was, um, I was also just going to say, like, keep a lookout for Jason Kelsey this week. The, the, the number one thing that he's responsible for is making sure everyone knows where Aaron Donald is on the field because that really determines all the coverage. So he's got a big responsibility. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's up for the task. He's a, he's a veteran player. Um, but let's switch it up to another big matchup that, uh, that we're facing this week, which is uh, the Rams receivers. They've got, they've got three great starting receivers coming into town, um, facing off against the Eagles cornerbacks. How do we feel this is going to shape up? Um, do we have any idea who's going to get who's going to get covered by who, or um, what are our thoughts here, Matt? You, would you like to start us off? Chris, well, why don't you take this one? Got it. Um, Matt, Matt, static. Got well. Hey, I mean that's only right. Um, I think right off the bat, the first person who comes to my mind is Nikel Roby Coleman playing in the slot because of his matchup, which will be against Cooper Cup, who's been a proven player for the Rams since he was drafted. Uh, but I also think that Nikel Roby Coleman can offer the other defensive backs some insight into, you know, how the Rams receivers are running routes, what their tendencies are, uh, maybe some insight into what the play call is. Um, the other benefit there is I think, you know, you have Darius Slay going into this game and we've mentioned him and I don't think need to harp on what he's capable of. Uh, although I think maybe who he'll travel with, which we talked about a little bit before the podcast, and I think we've resolved it would probably be Robert Woods. Um, because he's more of an outside receiver. But I also feel good about Avante Maddox being in this game because uh, some of his best performances uh, have been against the Rams. Um, and so I think, or sorry, in that uh, game in 2018, he, he had an interception, I remember, and, and was making plays all over the field. That was one of those games where we came away saying Maddox was a really good draft pick. So I think the defensive backs having some experience watching Goff, seeing how he operates, having some insight from Coleman, um, making plays against him in the past. I think all that will, will factor in, but this is an explosive wide receiver core. And I think Van Jefferson, their rookie, uh, as I mentioned on Tuesday, has gotten a lot of hype as well and, and can definitely make some noise. Matt? I uh, so we we only have a small sample size here, uh, but looking at uh, the game from last week uh, between the uh, Rams and the Cowboys, uh, Robert Woods six receptions, 105 yards. Cooper Cup four receptions, 40 yards. Higby uh, three receptions, 40 yards. Now, mind you. Pro Football Focus had the Cowboys secondary as 22nd in the league coming into the 2020 season. Uh, and the uh, Rams were only able to put up 20 points on them. So, yes, we do have deficiencies at secondary, but none of these wide receivers, maybe outside Robert Woods, uh, really scare me, especially with our defensive line and how uh, Nate, Gary played, Nate Jerry played last uh, week. If we can get to um, golf early on, which we've talked about, and rattle him, I think they stick more to the run than the pass. What are your guys' thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, no, that's a great point, Matt. Um, that's that's just overall strategy key. Get to golf, and everything will kind of fall into place. Some other, you know, some other things I was hearing this week, though. Um, so Nickel is a former Ram, as Chris was saying. And um, he's definitely got an inside scoop on what Sean McVay likes to do, the types of uh, 
patterns that they like to to run. So he's definitely been a good informant for the Eagles on um, on scouting and whatnot. And I was listening to him talk, and he was really um, addressing the fact that you don't know where the receivers are going to go. They give you a lot of mixed looks, um, a lot of motion looks, and a lot of just different patterns. So, like, you, you might think you know what they're doing, one thing, but his advice was to don't actually react until the ball gets snapped because the chances are they're going to change it up on you. Um, so I, I, think, I think it's a head game. There's a, there's a real mental game going on between – the Eagles cornerbacks and what the Rams receivers are doing. And it's almost like a chess match um, that they kind of have to rely on the look that they get when the ball is snapped and then using the technique accordingly to make the play. Um, so I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I think that's kind of what McVay, you know, him being like this genius offensive genius, what a, the f- one of the fun things I'll be looking for is um, how the Eagles handle those different looks and, and how the cornerbacks react. Matt? Yeah, just circling back real quick, we talked about McVay and Peterson. And, Mike, I think you bring, bring up a great analogy. This game is going to be a chess match. And who has won uh, the chess match uh, prior games? It's been Peterson. So I think we're playing chess, and they may be playing checkers. Chris? Let's hope so. Let's hope so, Matty. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about who we think um, – I'm not sure how we are on time, but let's skip over to offensive and defensive players of the game, and then we'll slowly make our way to predictions. I'm going to begin uh, with Andrew's offensive player of the game, um, who's Zach Ertz. And the reason is uh, he said that he ain't looking to get outshined again which is good enough reason for me. Uh, definitely had a huge drop at the end of uh, the game against Washington, but also did have a touchdown. Seemed Goddard was more targeted that day. I could, I could see it. Uh, who are your offensive players of the game, Mike and Matt, and then I'll go. Mike first. Yeah, well, um, I got to pick Carson this week. He's got – he's really got to put the team on his shoulders. He's got everything to prove this week, and he's got some doubters out there. Uh, one who's – a member of this podcast. Andrew doesn't seem to be too high on Wentz. Um, I think Wentz has some proving to do, but he seems like a resilient guy. And I, I think given the addition of Lane, um, as well as having Miles back in the lineup, I think I think we're going to see a much more together unit. And Carson's going to operate a lot more efficient with a lot more efficiency and have a, a really solid game. Matt, what about you, man? You know, I got to go against the grain, especially with my brother. I'm going with Dallas Goddard on this one. Come on. I think he comes off the same performance he came off last week. And one of the reasons why is the offense is so – or the defense is so focused on Ertz that Goddard's able to get out there. You know, he, he's athletic. He's fast. Uh, his slant patterns were phenomenal during game number one against Washington. So I think we see a continuation of what he did in the first game. Chris? Yeah, I, uh, I was going to pick Dallas Goddard. Um, so I'm going to pivot because I, I stood I'm, – I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I stood pretty hard behind Jalen Rager, and I'm going to do that now. So I'm going to say Jalen Rager uh, has um, kind of the game that really establishes himself. He had a play last week that did that, but I think he'll have a game like that on Sunday. Uh, I see him having his first NFL touchdown on Sunday at the link against Jalen Ramsey. Um, 
But uh, let's talk defensive players. I'll start with Andrew since he wasn't able to be with us tonight, but was nice enough to send in some information while he was on vacation. Um, he points out that Rodney McLeod is also a former Ram, uh, and he is Andrew's defensive player of the game. Um, he envisions some solid hits and says that McLeod will force a fumble in this game on Sunday against the Rams. Matt, who is your defensive player of the game? I'm thinking it's Fletcher Cox from what we talked about earlier. You had something you wanted to say about him, if I'm not mistaken. You know me too well, and I may sound like a broken record because I think I went with Cox uh, last week too, but I, I just love this guy. Um, and I was listening to the Dan Patrick show this week, and he had former offensive guard for the Chicago Bears, uh, Kyle Long, on. And he asked Kyle, who was the three toughest defensive linemen that he had faced in his professional football career, they were uh, Khalil Mack, Geno Atkins, and Fletcher Cox. And one of the quotes he had about Fletcher Cox, I just loved. Fletcher rolls out of bed, kicks your ass with a dip in his mouth. All right. It, it doesn't get any tougher than that. That's high praise from a uh, former pro bowler in Kyle Long. So uh, the other thing that we talked about was uh, – he's kind of always been in, uh, in Donald's, uh, shadow. Uh, and you know, he has come out and said that he is, uh, MVP or a defensive player of the year material. And we see Aaron Donald winning it year over year. So I think that leaves a sour taste in Fletcher Cox's mouth. And even though they don't go up against each other, I think he has something to prove in this game when, uh, lining up on the defensive line. Multiple sack game, Maddie. I think uh, two and a half and two tackles for a loss. Hot take. Uh, here's a stat to look up. When Fletcher Cox has two or more sacks, how often do the Eagles win? I would look, I would look that one up. Maybe we can bring that to the next pod. Uh, Michael, your defensive player of the game. Yeah, and this, this definitely goes along with uh, Matt's pick of the game, defensive player of the game, and Fletcher. Um, but coming off last week, Malik Jackson looked great. That was the Malik Jackson that, um, that we wanted, uh, before he went down, uh, early 2019 and took him out for the whole season. I think he's got something to prove, um, that he's a force to be reckoned with. And one, it opens up, it opens it up a little bit more for Fletcher this week, given the, um, the game that. Malik had last week but I think Malik's back in there and if Fletcher's drawing this attention I think Malik eats um something some kind of big forced fumble maybe even a strip sack or um we'll see but Malik Jackson for me so a matchup we didn't talk about uh was if Derek Barnett is to play this Sunday he'll be facing off against the Rams left tackle who like Jason Peters is 38 years old uh, Barnett, I believe, is 24 and, and definitely has some quickness to him. I, I just can't go with Barnett as the defensive player of the game because he's coming off of an injury, and I think he may be you know, monitored or, or will have to do some adjustments himself getting back to uh, the speed of the game. But the player I'm going to go with this week is Nikel Ruby Coleman. I think Nikel Ruby Coleman is going to have um, not a breakout game. He's a veteran player, certainly, but I think he's going to have a very good game against Cooper Cup. And uh, his savvy against the Rams 
and playmaking ability, uh, some of the reasons the Eagles were willing to, to sign him uh, will come through on Sunday. So those are our offensive and defensive players, including Andrews, uh, which we were able to get in from him. Any breakout players that we think could really shine through, aside from those mentioned, um, between the two of you, Matt and Mike, a breakout player, someone you think could stand a breakout on Sunday? Chris, I, I want you to roll with it. Who's your breakout player? Well, I, I'm not sure. I got to tell you, I think um, it's such a young team and there are certain staples on the offense and my mind always goes to the offense to, to uh, label a breakout player, especially some of the young fast weapons that they have. But I really, it's, it's hard to say it because I also said he was my offensive player of the game, but I think Jalen Rager has a breakout game. I think he's going to have at least one big, big catch. Um, for a touchdown and, and probably at least a, a couple others. So I'll label him as, as a possible breakout player. Um, I'll also say, I think there's a chance uh, if he gets an opportunity that John Hightower might make a play because the Rams probably don't know as much about him and I could see him making a breakout play. Anybody on defense that either of you could see? I guess with the, with the position change, this could be the game where Jalen Mills establishes himself and secures his spot there. I mean, he definitely has Kayvon Wallace uh, riding his curtails right now, and we all want to see Kayvon in there. I think, I think Jalen's got a lot to play for. Um, he's a prideful man, and, I, you know, this could I, – I think there's a good chance, given the position change, that he steps up in a big way. Yeah, and at a new position. Well said, Mike. Uh, this may be a cop-out, guys, because he had a breakout season last year, but um, I'm looking for a breakout game from Miles Sanders, all right? Uh, you know, to start the season off strong, uh, to continue on what he had last year. Now, hamstring injuries aren't easy for a running back, and they can linger throughout the year, so we need to make sure that he's 100%, and I think he does that by having a 100-yard game whether that's a mixture of uh, on the ground and through the air. I think we brought it up earlier, uh, quick slants, maybe just uh, something in the flat is going to work with Aaron Donald uh, barreling down on Carson Wentz. And I think he looks to check down to Miles Sanders um, a lot. So a big game out of Miles Sanders. All right. With that, let's get to some predictions. I'm going to start with Andrews, who uh, was very specific. He sees the birds winning in what he calls squeaker. Uh, 31 to 28 birds with Jake Elliott coming up big. And as I mentioned earlier, with his defensive player of the game, Rodney McLeod having a forced fumble. So game predictions uh, and certainly a big play if you'd like to chuck it in there and, and maybe give a hot take. But Mike, can we start with you for a prediction? Sure. I'm going to, I'm really close to where Andrew is. Um, I feel like I need to adjust my score now just um, to be a little different, but this is the way, this is the way I'm seeing it. At least I'm hoping this is uh, how it, how it plays out. Cause I, I definitely want them to uh, cover the over on points scored, but uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking 33 30 with the Jake Elliott winning field goal to win the game. Boom. Hot take. I love it. <laughs> Especially to make up for last week's abominable miss. Um, yeah. He just Sally Jones, the, uh, a punt that he should make every time. Even though it's a long punt, he needs to, he needs to make up for himself. 
Yeah, let it be known if there's a, a missed kick that Mike will re- be referring to it as a Sally Jones. That's that's what he means. <laughs> uh, especially a kick that didn't have enough air to make it to uh, make it through. I should say the goalpost. Maddie, your prediction. Yeah, just want to run over our last uh, two meetings with the Rams: 2017, 43 Eagles, 35 Rams; uh, 2018, 30 Eagles, 23 Rams. Um, so. You know, we, we're trending down, but I still think it is a high-scoring game. Um, I am going 35-28 uh, uh, Eagles. And as far as a big play um, to Chris, your boy, Ragger, who we're uh, counting on this week, he had the uh, dropped punt to start off the season last week. I want him to catch his first punt, and I want him to bring it to the house. Chris? I love that. I like that score also. Boy, I think when I got the score from Andrew, I did the same thing, Mike. I had that kind of that range in mind, just about that many points. Um, But I'm going to adjust a little bit here. So I'll say that the line uh, in the interest of odds began at uh, the Eagles minus two and a half. It moved to as much as the Rams minus one. And now it is back to the Eagles minus one as I'm looking at it in my ESPN app now. I know there's probably Uh, different odds uh, from different sources. But I'll say that it is going to be a close game, and I think we've all stated that. Uh, I'm going to go with Eagles 30, Rams 24. Uh, I think the Eagles are able to get off to a good start again, um, and I think they go to Jalen Rager early to kind of establish that game. But I think it's really the defense that comes up big uh, at some point in the game. And I think – a forced fumble from McLeod would be great, but I would love to see uh, a pick from Nikel Roby Coleman and or Darius Slay. Uh, that would just really kind of solidify everything. And I think they'll need to play hard on both sides of the ball and produce numbers on both sides of the ball. I think if next Tuesday we're talking about or Monday, we're talking about the Eagles winning this game against the Rams, it'll be because both sides had significant stats and big highlight plays that were fun to watch. Uh, because this is definitely a high-octane team that they're playing both on offense and defense. So uh, the Eagles are going to be up against it. One o'clock on Sunday, we'll all be watching, and we'll try to come back next week with another episode to review this game on Sunday against the Rams. Fellas, good work tonight. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds. Let's go.